My name is Erin Phelps. Today's scripture reading is from Matthew 9, 35 through 38. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, y'all. I'm Howard Brown, the pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, this is um, our last sermon in this summer confession sermon series. And um, just providentially, it is... um, sort of like a bridge into our next sermon series. In October, the first Sunday in October, we'll begin a sermon series on the art of neighboring. Um, What is unique about this coming sermon series um, is something that, you know, I've been pretty stiff about doing, just so you know, I don't like doing this kind of stuff. But we're sort of joining other churches in the city to preach a sermon um, together. See how I'm acting all cynical about it? Um, And uh, and we're going to be preaching together and um, the same sermon text, not the same sermon, um, and working through the the same call and instruction on how to be good neighbors. So uh, this also fits perfectly, this sermon, and then what we're going into in October. I believe it fits perfectly with the mission and vision of the upcoming Charlotte Justice Conference, right, to be held right here at Christ Central Church on October 5th, so remember to mark your calendar for that. Um, This sermon, the last of this series, I hope, will serve as a doorway or a bridge into a season, I think, um, for our church of looking outwardly, reaching outside of ourselves to share God's goodness and good news with others in and for our city. This summer, um, while I was on my mini sabbatical, to fill my time and to make some extra money for all of those summertime trips and projects that I do and then have to fix and then fix again. And while Kelly was still trying to find some full-time employment, I signed up for Uber, DoorDash, and Postmates, right? And it has really changed my perspective on this city and on what it means to be here as a believer. I mean, first of all, there are people everywhere, y'all. And every nook and cranny and street and alley and in places that you and I may just see and experience in our periphery, right, that, that you may see is just another condo going up. And, and in some cases, you and I drive on major streets and thoroughfares and on a daily basis, and we only see the fronts of those roads. And, and with that, it is easy not to see that there are all kinds of people with all kinds of needs and all kinds of tastes and, and all kinds of schedules and relationships and goals and beliefs and values. And it was amazing how delivering food and delivering people opened my eyes and heart to that. And it reminded me of this scripture passage in Matthew where Jesus' ministry takes us into the mass 
diversity of broken lives in the city and villages around ancient Capernaum. And in doing so, Jesus opens his disciples' eyes to what it means to be a public follower of his in our neighborhoods, in our communities, in our city, and in this world. That three things I want us to see today. That first, we must be moved by compassion. Secondly, we must be moved for holistic change. Then finally, we must be moved by the Lord himself. The Bible tells us here that Jesus went through all the cities and villages and was teaching and healing. And that as verse 36 in this chapter says, if I can find it here. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Here's what Matthew is trying to convey in, 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 his, uh, uh, comment, in his passage here. Uh, when, when Jesus saw them, it affected him inside. Compassion means to move your guts, if you will. Literally, Jesus got a gut check. He became, he became impassioned based on what? What he saw as he went throughout the cities and villages. When I did my, and I'm using the term fuber dashing, just because I can, and I needed an F to go with the rest of the Fs in the sermon series. As I was doing my fuber dashing throughout Charlotte, Huntersville, and Morrisville, and Concord, I saw people for the first time. People that I would have missed if their names and needs and desires had not showed up on my phone, right? The Bible is telling us that compassion begins by processing what we see, and thus we must be willing to see it, to look at and listen and hear from people, to investigate their lives, to see them, to, to recognize they are there and see their conditions and hear their stories. But there is often this big chasm, this, this big gap, this disconnect between seeing and feeling. Where we see people, but then we pinch it, right? We, we do a turn, not of the head, but of the heart. We, we refuse deep down the burden of embracing and then digesting internally what and who we have seen and what it might mean. Jesus says, as verse 36 tells us, that people are harassed and helpless. And the Bible's telling us to have compassion meant that Jesus takes it in. He digests it. it. It digests it, right? It turns his gut. It changes and touches his heart. Most of us in here, me included, I know different, don't mind seeing, right? I watch all kinds of documentaries on Netflix. Sometimes I even cry. Like, oh, oh, that's such a sad situation, Right? But beyond just like this temporary two-hour, you know, emotional Epcot ride, we don't want to feel it, right? 
Not really. We don't want to carry other people's stuff. We don't want to fuberdash them and their mess around. To like the word compassion means here, to be moved by your emotion to actually do something towards someone else, impetuously even. You know what this is saying? Jesus was impetuous. He was moved and he had compassion and immediately that compassion made him run and do something. To be moved impetuously, right? In your passion for what's not right with somebody else. The compassion here is, and we will get back to this later, but as I studied, I mean, these Greek words are really interesting. It means like you ate something and you have, you're having a volatile projectile level running to get there any way you kind of reaction to what you've taken into yourself. It's a violence. There's a compassion move me. I, I saw it, I took it in, and it is hurting me. I've got to do something about it. I have to get rid of it. I have to let it out. When Jesus saw what he saw, it turned his stomach and then it turned in him to do something about it. Sin and suffering as he saw it didn't sit right with him and he ran to deliver with built up compassion towards ministry and outreach and help to the people. On my Uber trips, especially, I see him in my rearview mirror and more than not, I don't know why, I think it's the new bartender, right? They want to talk. You know what, man? You know, okay, whatever. If they don't have the headphones on. And then I hear them on their phones, the conversations and conversations between each other, and it affects me. But you know what? It's easier just to keep my eyes ahead, not pray. Right? Not, not, not to think I have to do anything about it, not be impassioned by it. Just keep my eyes ahead and make them just an object of making money. You know what the problem may be? I would, the problem is what I would describe as compassion nausea, right? Where you feel bad by just looking and listening and caring. Nausea, that feeling that you can't take anymore, that feeling of misery, we will avoid at all costs. I know I do. I don't want to be wrapped up in your stuff. I got my stuff, right? I'll carry you, but I don't want to carry nothing else. I'll bring your food to you, but when I drop it off, that's it. I don't want to drop something off and then carry something back. Just saw a member in the hospital and she was saying the hardest part of having multiple fractures, believe this, was the way the pain meds made her feel nauseated and dizzy. The way to pain, pain relief for others, the scripture is saying, is for God to cause us to be uncomfortable. <laughs> nauseated by their pain. It's the only way, it's, it's the move, it's, it's the impetus to bring healing and bring relief to folks' brokenness. Here's the application here. Open your eyes and your hearts and take it to and in the gut. Right? Be moved, right? As, as part of what it means to follow and trust and believe in what Jesus is all about so that we will work for real change. Verse 35 says this, and Jesus went throughout all the cities, 
and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. If you're not feeling overwhelmed, just wait. It gets worse here, right? Jesus came to have pity, right? But not a pity party, but a pity-motivated movement for real change through word and deed. So Jesus was going throughout the cities and villages, what? Teaching and preaching. He was giving them the good news, the good news you have, right? That that God's kingdom was coming, that, that all that is broken and evil and damaging and oppressive to people's lives would become untrue, and that God desired to connect with them right where and how they are and make them true children of God and people on an eternal and divine destiny who could worship him, hear his truth, obey, love, and enjoy the Lord forever. The words of the gospel are spiritual words. It's the message, the spoken, shared GPS from God's word to lead you and everywhere, lead you and everyone who is everywhere to one true and loving God. And we'll dig into a little bit of this later about bringing and sharing and delivering the spiritual gospel message to people on our neighboring sermon series. But, but do you see the contextual diversity of this message It says he went throughout all the villages and cities teaching and preaching. That means explaining the message of the gospel in the context of diverse lives. Hear me. It means bringing people to the same location, right? The same core message, the same God from different starting places. This means... You're delivering things to people and people to places like I did this summer from different places and with different taste at different times and needs with one goal of giving them what is acquired and promised by the service. The move and act of bringing spiritual direction to people and to bring people where God would have them to go is about going into situations and circumstances with different spiritual curves and turns and roadblocks and and varying abilities to stomach what you are saying and and trying to take and deliver to them with, with different distances and times and philosophies and all kind of stuff. It means not only preaching, which means here's the one way good message news of, of God. God is saying it right. Take straight there kind of stuff, but also So teaching, it says, which means explaining, which means conversing, which means arguing lovingly and working to pull someone into and through the word of God around and through a maze of unique thoughts and struggles and hardships and abuses and directions. Jesus was willing to listen and talk to people. You should look at the whole chapter 9. He's going from person to person to person with all kinds of different issues. But Jesus was willing again to, to, to talk to people, to change who, who were confronting diverse spiritual barriers and obstacles in their lives to get to God's goodness for them. You know what makes the whole thing, Uber, DoorDash thing work? Directions. Man, right there on your phone, right? Everything. This is what they ordered. This is where they are. You can look at the little map. They're standing right here. 
right? Sometimes they send you messages. I'm this, I'm that, I'm wearing this, I'm standing over here. Directions are where to go and who it is and their name and picking up the food, all kinds of things you need to know to serve them the stuff right there at your hands. The message and story of God's grace that changes people is yours, Scripture is saying, to guide you to and to help bring and, and guide others to God through everything that may be an obstacle to God's grace. If God desires to reach and have you serve them, there is not an obstacle. His word and teaching and preaching it can't get around and get through. But let me let you know, it may require listening <laughs> and talking. You know, I, I don't know how we got this um, reputation as Christians. So much so that we don't want to be called evangelical Christians anymore. Because we got this reputation and, oh, here we go. He just going to preach to me. Here come preacher man. Part of me don't care if you call me preacher man. I can really care less. I'm called to preach. Especially if you come up here on Sunday morning. Too bad. But I understand what people are saying. There's this thought that you're not listening. You're just talking. You're not answering any of the questions that I'm really asking. You don't see me. You haven't come to my village right? You haven't come down my street. You're just so used to going to your neighborhood and through, through your thing that when you talk, you actually have the words of life, but you're unwilling to actually deliver them and listen and trust God to bring you to me. You know what it speaks to? We don't really believe in the power of the word of God through the Holy Spirit to speak to people. There's a fear there because of us. You know, the worst kind of customer, and so for those of you who drive Uber, you know, you got your little thing up there, and I use Waze, and they tell you where to go. And just the other day, some guy, what you need to do is turn right here. I'm like, it's telling me the quickest way. Well, you need to, okay. And you know what I did? Just listened. Okay, sir. Yes, sir. And uh, turn up here. You stop at the stop sign. Look both ways. I'm like, You know what that told me? I needed to be a careful driver for this dude. I kept both hands on the steering wheel. I didn't text and drive. Just kidding. I, I, I did right. I didn't turn my gangster rap music up loud. I, I knew. Had the jazz play, right? I have a spray, right? A relaxing mist. Put in there before every customer gets in there. And they get in there. Right? Still, anyway, that wasn't part of the deal. I'm not, that's not part in here. But, you know, God wants, if God desires to reach you, Jesus saying in, in proclaiming God's word and then finding open ways. The Bible says he went to synagogues. He went different places, the Bible says, to share and teach it, which is the care required for different angles and different places and different situations. Sometimes you can't give everybody government cheese, right? It ain't, you can't give one kind of cheese for everybody is what I'm saying, right? We, we kind of have this approach where everybody get the school box lunch, right? But everybody needs some kind of gourmet meal for their food allergies. Like 
Everybody needs special attention. There is a call here, call here for discipleship and explanation for people in individual cultures and situations. I get so many calls as a pastor of this church. We want to be multi-ethnic like y'all. You sure? We, we want to reflect the, the, the diversity of this city. Okay. You know how much stuff we've been through? In, in, in this 16 years of ministry? Y'all know, especially those who've been here a long time. It looks like we found it. We good. Let's just go with this. And then somebody or group comes along. What about us? Oh, got to back up. Go around. Got to teach it. Got to stop and teach. Why are y'all stopping? Why aren't y'all just keep going? Because we need to stop and teach this. Why? Because we've got a group of people who may not believe the, the gospel here, having a hard time struggling with God. We want them to worship in spirit and truth too. So we stop and we got to go, but we just can't just go. It's hard. Sometimes I recommend just having a bunch of different churches, the individual people groups. That might work better. Then you can actually maybe get to someplace quick. You know, it's like a bus ride. We got to have a lot of stops. No. Hey, can we stop at that corner store? No, buses don't work like that. Just get on. We're going. Too bad. Anyway. But the gospel coming to make what is broken untrue in people's lives is not just done with words, but also in deeds. We see here that word and deed go hand in hand and hand in glove with Jesus' mission and message. Verse 35 and 36 say this. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I looked some of these words up, and do you know what the word for healing roughly translates to in verse 35? Serving. Serving. Providing service to those who have diverse diseases and sicknesses, which means debilitating factors in their lives. To be sick back then meant what caused you not to be able to work and flourish and prosper and work your land and have a job and be included and respected as part of a family or community. The Bible says every disease, every means all sorts, all kinds, which means they could have come in as an unexpected wave. Nobody saw it happening. It, it may be, might be hereditary or systematic like poverty often is. And then the word harassed means to be skinned and flayed alive. I don't need to tell you that means somebody bothered you. Bothered by someone else. And then the word helpless besides helpless means to, hear this, to just fling aside. To be someone who's flung aside. It means to be put in the city dump. Literally, it means we, this is refuse, right? We don't want this. Let's flush them. Let, let's get them away from us. These are people who have been disposed of who now have no protection, who are easily manipulated, who are outside the city walls where there's no justice for them. That's what this means. Jesus was moved and is calling us as the Lord of how things should happen in his kingdom as his people to do works of service, justice and mercy as part of the gospel mission. 
to serve people who are sick and diseased in ways that keep them oppressed. And this doesn't have, and I know in some places more than others, it manifests more readily, right? But I'm here to tell you, it, it, let's just make it clear, it doesn't matter the zip code here, right? Some people have money and their homes and their lifestyles cover up their diseases. It's just symptomatic, right? Uh, medicine, money and prosperity and position or, you know, like, hey, this NyQuil is taking my cold away. No, it didn't. It just stopped your nose from running. But you still have the sickness. Other people just don't have the NyQuil. <laughs> but we should let them run around with runny noses. It's just not right. And so it means fling the rain. And, all, and here's the deal. Every commentary I read said this message from Jesus was a backhanded slap against the religious leaders of the time who had decided to look away, forget, and fling away and take advantage of God's people. It's almost like saying, what, what y'all doing? You, you people who know the word, you religious leaders, like you who have the gospel. I mean, these dudes memorized the Bible. I mean, they, they knew it all. You people who stand for God, these folk are living flung out, right? They're living outside the walls. And you want, here's the problem with Jesus saying, you put them there. You help put them there to clean your city up. To clean your ministry up, to give you greater, and this is throughout the scripture, to give you more political and power advantage, you put these people on the outside and hope that you can ignore them. They're not good for getting along with the Romans. And of all, you know how many poor people there were? Man, if these people decided to have a rebellion, oh man, us poor people lives matter too, rebellion, it'd be terrible. And so they're hoping, they're hoping that these religious leaders could keep some of these people in the dumps. And this is the tag they put on them. These are sinners. They're here because they're just so evil. Or God just ain't blessing these folk. That's why they lame. That's why they sick. That's why they poor, because they sinned. Right? Jesus is calling us, unlike the religious leaders, to be willing to cross over with the power and authority of our Lord into villages and towns and cities with issues and problems that are not like ours. And tastes and affections and needs and political views and social mores that may cut across our own. Don't you know the worst thing Jesus could have done for his ministry was go to these people? If I was his PR guy, his marketing guy, I would say, Jesus, don't hang out with those people. They're going to bring you down. You'll never get elected king of kings and lord of lords. You won't. So Jesus like, I'm not going to be elected. I'm going to die and rise again, right? And 
and it's interesting, right? The Bible says that he went throughout everywhere, healing every kind of messed up situation. It was moved by his gut that this wasn't right and went to deal with what he saw as injustice and brokenness. He saw it. He could see there were poor and broken people in need and went and then figured it out. He didn't wait until things were perfect for him to go. He went because and when it was imperfect. The Bible is saying he just went. He just turned and went. He didn't say, let me get a plan together. Right? It just, and, and this is the crazy thing about what it means to move by compassion. He just went, oh, that ain't right. Let me go. Jesus, you know what you're getting yourself into. Uh, in particular, no, but I know one day it caused me to die on a cross, right? The Bible is saying he just went and when he saw need for healing and service. And it's the distinction between village and city is really interesting. A city had walls and divine places to live, and they had policing forces and work, and they had shops and, and protections. But villages defined here in Scripture, it, you know, I looked at it, and they pointed to places where field laborers would go and stay and sleep and gather and lay down and camp together around their workplaces outside the city wall, where there wasn't any justice. Or protection away from government care with rebels and outcasts and thieves where, where they were sitting ducks in so many ways. Jesus went there and to the city and calling us to do the same. It is like having on my GPS and, and there were times, y'all, look, I had all three going, right? DoorDash, Uber, Postmates. And I was seeing other people at all. They got Lyft. Uber, Postmates, DoorDash. One time the lady delivered some groceries for Instacart to her house, and I looked, and she had a DoorDash and an Uber bag. I mean, it had everything on her car, right? And, wh wh and whatever need rang first, that's where I go, right? Yes, right? Turn everything else off. And it had, be had been picking up someone here and there, going here, there, even bringing sushi or Bojangles, there was even a time when they called, this is crazy, this is sneaky, don't do this. When I got there, a person just needed a jump for their car. I ain't AAA. He was like, hey, man, look, I didn't know who else to call. I don't have no AAA. I got the jumper cables. Could you help me? And I'll put a tip on the thing. You know, you kind of rate things in your mind. It was one. I said, oh, this is one of these good neighborhoods, right? I'm going to get a good tip. They're probably going to the airport. That's a lot of money. And I went around the curve, and I'm like, looking at the houses, which address is it? And I saw some dude in the pickup truck broken down on the side. Hey. <laughs> really? And of course. There was a 90-year-old woman, took her first Uber drive. She couldn't get in the car. Had to lift her up, get her legs in, and help her get her walker in the back, you know, and didn't know. I just acted and drove real slow. This is so nice. Can we do another drive? <laughs> and then drunk people, yes, saving lives. Even make sure Kelly says she gave a woman a ride. A woman, what, ran right into the, and fell into the side of the car? Like, boom, head first. And you're like, you all right, baby? Like, what, you okay? <laughs> they loud, they talking, even making sure they get in or buckled up and can get into the house safely, I wait. Knowing they're going to be a pain and loud and possibly vomit. Don't want that. Like, let me keep it still. 
And then I had a ride for a woman and she didn't order Uber XL because I got the van. It could carry more than four people. But when I got there, she had five, six kids with her and a car seat. It was wrong, but okay. And then I had picked up people who don't speak English and, a, and I had a deaf guy and I just had to do the which way, where are we going, okay, and just figure it out. Sometimes they have to talk to me through signals. This is ministry. You got to answer the call and address the present need in the way you can when you get there, doing what's at hand. It's the power, it's the authority and the power and ability to do so. To okay, look like you don't, I ain't know how to get through this. You just go. This is what Jesus is saying, you go. And we'll look at this in a minute. And Jesus is saying, go, move to the needs and places and people with needs at hand. And I know there's a whole nother section about, you know, uh, compassion fatigue. We, this ain't that sermon. And Jesus is saying, go, move to the needs and places and people's needs at hand. Because hear this, if you are my disciples, you actually have been given the authority and power and ability as one who is moved by more than personal emotions and mission, but moved by the Lord of the harvest himself. Verse 37 and 38 says this. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Jesus has been like a teaching physician, like I've seen some of them doctor shows, taking his medical trainees and interns on the rounds with him. And then he stops them. Those whom we will send out in chapter 10, next chapter, so he's getting them ready, to one day officially do their own rounds. And he says, pray that God will send out laborers because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Please, my trainees, Pray that the Lord send out some doctors. And they're like, well, we doctors. But he's still telling them to pray. And it makes sense because there are so many sick people and hurting and spiritually needy people. Like the DoorDash and Uber ads, you get that, get, sometimes they're like, give you $100 if you first some people, right? Or, or, or to get these little these, uh, updates. Right now, it's super busy in Davidson. Start dashing now for extra $2 delivery, right? And there have been times where I'm looking at three other Postmates or DoorDash people in one restaurant, restaurant, and I'm already on a triple delivery. There's so many needs out there. So Jesus is saying, we need more people. Share numbers for the amount of help and time for the many different kinds and cultures and enclaves and outposts and cities and people groups and languages and cultures out there that, that, that pray that we are there and can speak and bring gospel impact there. Are, people, are, are, are people moving there? Are more churches targeted? Is there strategic outreach? You know, we do a community. Do you know we have a community engagement team at our church? And they're looking at just 28205. It is already overwhelming. The harvest is crazy ripe and diverse and desperate for us to go and come. But there's something else I want to see, want you to see. When Jesus says what he says about sending out harvesters in the harvest, he is twisting things a bit. As Jesus often does, he turns the whole thing upside down. Because for the religious leaders, the people Jesus was going to see, right? These people he was going to see, they are religious and moral and poor and outsiders and bad for the city and economy and bad, a bad look for good Jews. Harvest meant in their minds, the religious leaders' minds, and even probably some of his disciples, what it always meant from the Old Testament days. You know what the harvest is plentiful meant in the Old Testament? 
that it was ripe and ready for judgment, for taking the sickle to it, to cutting its life off, cutting it up and then throwing it in a fire to be burned. But Jesus was saying the opposite. Can you imagine this? It's ripe for bringing it into the kingdom, to God. The same kinds of people who you would think, let's cut them off and throw them in the fire. Jesus is saying the harvest is ripe for bringing in those broken, sinful, rejected people like a rose bouquet to the Lord. Now do you see why he's saying pray? Jesus saying pray for something crazy. It's supernatural. Pray that God would send out people who have a heart and ministry to gather and bring people who are broken into the kingdom more than having a desire to leave and put and clear them out of the kingdom. Pray that God would send people who would gather the weeds of the world and bring them in like roses to God. Pray for those who would crowd and fill their lives and be inconvenienced and willing to be teased and harassed with your friends and why you're doing this and are you believing this and are you becoming liberal, right, for caring for those people or that person. Pray that the Lord would send people who would risk everything about themselves and their reputation to get those of low reputation. And you see why he's asking us to pray because people don't do this kind of harvesting and ministry and living like he's asking for. I know I don't do it naturally. I want to reach the people that make me look better. I want to reach the people who are like me, who I like to be around. Right? I want to reach the people when I talk about my thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love Clemson. Yeah, yeah. They're the best team ever. That's who I want. Who believe my political viewpoints, right? Who, who get my religious take on things immediately. And you're so right. If you evil, I don't want you. And that's evil according to my righteousness. Jesus saying, pray for people who have backwards hearts to the, to the world, right? Who have hearts that say, man, they are so different than me. They are so different than what I consider godly. Wow, my heart is moved for compassion for them. I want them in my life. Crazy. It means, it, here's the deal. Do you know what the word, and we love this, pray that God sends out Right? We, we say that word. Do you know what? I, this is the first, like I did a lot of studying in Greek this week. Okay? I don't. Sometimes it's just good. Right? You know what send out means? It sounds nice in the English translation. We're sending them out. But in the Greek, the word means to push out in a violent and quick way. Right? And, and it gets kind of potty talk. Right? Bathroom talk a little bit. I'm not going to do it, Kelly. I'm not at home with my brothers, so I will spare you. Maybe. It means quick, get to the toilet. Here it comes. 
It means to expel. Right? All right, let let me smooth it out for y'all. Because some of y'all gone. It means to banish. It means to send out away from assumed safety and comfort. It means going, hear this, to the world as an outcast. As a rebel to all you know. Because Jesus, Lord of the harvest, your Lord, if you are a believer, is so moved for a world that does not know his grace, love, and power that he seeks to expel us from our comfort for the discomfort he feels as Lord in, lo- in his loving compassion for a world separated from his lordship and salvation. Pray that the Lord would send out people. Pray that the Lord would send, expel people from their comfort out of the cities, send, make them an outcast to bring them in. Now you see why we praying? We're not just giving money away to missionaries. We're praying for the missionary heart. We're not just talking about evangelism and reaching the city. We're saying, Lord, please. We, we, you know, the disciples, when he says pray, they not only praying that new people, they praying for themselves. Pray that you the kind of laborers that are necessary for the kind of harvest God's going to bring in. Because as you bring it in, people are going to be on the way. Why you brought that? That ain't no good. They ain't no good. Praise God they didn't say that about you and me. You know what's hardest about me doing all the Uber and stuff? My pride being lost. Because I'm a proud person. I even have a Clemson alumni sticker on my van. And I hate for people to see this graduate is delivering food for a living. Like, with the lights of college students, teenagers. And come on, y'all, people who just couldn't get a real job. I, I see fellow door dashers with the kids in the car sleeping or babies on their arms as they go back and forth. And it makes me, makes sense why possibly that 30% of food drivers take a taste of your food. (laughs) Not me. Only if a fry falls on the floor or something. (laughs) But I thought maybe they hungry. Lots of the cars, you know, lots of the cars are even barely making it. And these are folks who have to supplement. Maybe these are folks who have to supplement the income because they ain't making enough or, or got into something too deep or whatever. You basically have become a servant of people who can afford to hire you out at the worst times, right? Between four and eight when everybody else is home eating and watching TV, that's when you called. And I've delivered to some real nice places standing there while other folks are eating <laughs> and then say, Postmates, and they say, Postmates, Postmates delivery? And I'm like, yeah. And I've been asked, don't sit, just stand over there, please, and wait. I've delivered to some really nice places. You know what's really humiliating? When a teenager answers the door. After ordering a $5 Starbucks drink. I was so desperate, I was willing to go order and deliver a $5 drink to a kid to make three. Does cast out make sense 
for sin out now. But the difference isn't that we've become so desperate for money, but become desperate by God's power and move and life within us. That it doesn't matter how small the order is. It doesn't matter how it makes us look or feel. What matters is the Lord of the harvest wants to reach even the lowest and the smallest. What Jesus is declaring here in this call to pray for laborers is that the Lord of the harvest must become the Lord of the hearts of its workers. Pray that your hearts and our hearts would be tilled and moved and disturbed for mission. And hasn't he done that if you're a believer? Your heart, your soul, your mind, your lives have become his. He is saying the Lord of your hearts have made you right to do this work. Whether you can believe he could use you or not, pray that his compassion for you and me break through to create a heartfelt mission for others through him. The power behind that prayer and the movement of his people to the world is all about the fact that Jesus is coming and has found his way, y'all, into the villages and fortresses and nooks and crannies of our hearts, of your hearts, that by the move of his spirit all up into our lives and story, we too will be sick and moved and eye-opening, eye-opened and concerned and involved and mixed up and churned up in the desires and heart of God to do what we don't even want to do naturally, to see what we would rather not see, to open our mouths and ears to share the greatest story and message ever told, but the craziest to believe, to go to those and where we avoided at all costs, to be ridiculed and humiliated like nothing else for God's great love for sinners. See, if we're honest, whether in the village or the city, in the in-house or the outhouse, right? We were separated from the love of God and Jesus. The Lord of the harvest himself was cast out. He did suffer the sickle of judgment. He was made right with our sin and God cut him off and refused to look at him with compassion. And only with judgment. And, or, 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 and he suffered hell for us and let himself be an outcast embarrassment. Jesus became the world's outcast so he could save us from being harvested for judgment and be left in the dumps of human depravity who were outcast to God's kingdom of love to be brought in to him. It's the power, it's the ability, it's the motivation behind our call to the kingdom. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would soften our hearts. That you would humble us. that the hearts that you give us would become joy in following you. Lord, I pray for our people because we are out there. We are all in the villages and cities and synagogues. We caught up in people's lives. Our stomachs are turned by the way people are treated. The fact that they don't know you, the fact that they have no eternal Comfort in life. They're separated from your love. Lord, I do pray right now for 
that the Lord of the harvest in this church, in this place, would send laborers out. Because the kind of laborers that are necessary for the diversity of issues and problems in this city only come if God works. Work in me. Work in our leadership. Work in the members. And use us to work in this city. For your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.